You've got a passion for the outdoors, a desire to feel the warm sun on your face, the sound of your fly line whipping through the air, the pop of the water as the fish inhales the fly you just found in the floorboard of your truck. You need to feel the cool waters on your feet, the crisp north breeze of a November morning, the sound of a turkey gobble, the December rut, the chills of an elk bugle in September. It's the longing passion to chase your obsession. This is what we share. This is what we preach. Welcome to Honey Hole Hangout. What's up, boys? How are y'all doing? Fantastic. It's, it's a, cold. It is cold. It's been cold and rainy. I'm tired of the rain. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm over it. I mean, I guess we, we need, need it, water. though. We need it. I'm but not tired of it. We all say we need it, but like... We need this, it. it. We was, need it sparingly. You know, like if we have it all at one time, yeah. it oversaturates and nothing good comes. But it hasn't really ever poured. It's just been like a constant rain. Yeah, but for it's just two not days. The, like uh, it's enough to be annoying. Yes, yeah, so it's like uh, we're, I'm done. Done with it. It is nice though. You're right. You know, to, to go outside and like smoke a stogie and have a glass of whiskey or wine. Ooh, we should yeah. smoke a stogie after the podcast. Oh, on the back I didn't porch. think that was an option. Came unprepared today. Yeah, I was. I got take pictures yesterday and today, and I just never cleared up. So. Well, today at the table, we have me. I'm Landon. Hi, Landon. We have Zach to my left. Hi, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure? I don't know. We, we have Gabe to my right. Mm, Hi, Gabe. Go. What's going on, Gabe? And to my other right-ish, we have Gimli. Gimli. That's my dog. He's just staring at you so lovingly. He is. He waiting for commands, he man. He's waiting to go. He's like, yeah. Dad. And he was like, I see. He's like, you just. I I heard you just now say it's nice that it's raining, <laughs> but because it's raining, I'm in this. Yeah, cage. I'm in this <laughs> cage. Yeah, can't yeah. get out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> no, he's in the cage because the podcast, and he would go on a rampage and rip things down, and yeah. cords would come unplugged, and it wouldn't be a good listening experience. That's for true. You. That's I true. will say though, at least it's nice. Like. You know it's Thanksgiving, right? It's not like a Thanksgiving where it's still 100 degrees outside. Like, it, it feels like fall. It does. Because like, I've definitely had those Thanksgivings that's like 85 degrees, and you're like, let's just go yeah. in the pool, I guess. <laughs> Pretty much. So, today, as our guest, we have Jeff Evans. He is currently not sitting with us, but we recorded an interview with him at Oktoberfish. He is known as the Tenkara Master, some would say. Yeah, the man, the myth, the legend. Yeah. The man, the myth, the legend. He is the reason I bought a Tenkara rod. When he was casting, there was beautiful just to watch him just. It was. Like a nice, slow, easy cast out. It was nice. The way it just played so, off everything. Yeah. If you guys, you know, you might have some conceptions about Tenkara, like that it's cane pole fishing. And we actually asked him hard Tenkara questions, like the criticisms of, Kenta- of Tenkara. And so if you're, like, thinking, oh, I'm just going to tune out and I don't want to listen to that because it's about Tenkara, you might just hear it out, get a different perspective. Yeah. But we also, he does a very good job of, like, acknowledging the fact that Tenkara is the butt of the joke, and he realizes that and brings up some good objections to those arguments. And so I would say it's going to be worth your listen if you guys hang around. In the meantime, though, we're going to go through our holiday gift guide if you – are thinking about gifts that you want to receive, or if you're purchasing a fly fishing gift for someone else, we're going to go through our holiday gift guide in a little bit. Yeah. What are we going to do that holiday season scotch trying that we're going to do? Ooh. Oh, we're there. So I guess next week? Next week. Next week. That sounds Next perfect. week, yeah. Next week, those editor hours will be in, in place, and we'll... Uh, we'll start drinking some scotch. We'll start drinking some yeah. scotch. You scotch, guys scotch, shitty scotch. Let me like scotch. Make me like scotch. Yeah. No, no. These, these are not... These are not like... 
Jim's super smoky. No, no. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to waterboard him with scotch until he says, it's I not, like scotch. It's so delicious. <laughs> it's so delicious. <laughs> I only uh, scotch. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're going to, we're throwing you some spe- space side, space side and some Highland scotches that aren't going to the beautiful, nice, not smoky at all. So you're not going to be choking on it. Perfect. Know. That sounds fantastic. Got you covered, Bill. But before we get into all that, we have a quick note from our sponsor. From the vice to the boat to the bank to those moments you connect to a fish, Loon Outdoors is with you every step of the way with tools designed at the bench and on the water to help make your best day on the water better. All right, so here's the deal. On our holiday gift guide, we have a Loon item. We're going to talk about that later. Mm -hmm. More importantly, today we launched a YouTube video going over some of Loon's new gear, but also explaining how you can win that gear. It's completely free. All you have to do is put in about 10 minutes worth of work for your chance to win a whole... Four free Loon items. Loon items. And they're good items. They're not like, we're not going to send you four floatants. Yeah, or stickers. No. Or stickers. Yeah, no. We're sending you two pairs of pliers, a fly tying mat, and a lanyard. Yeah. So. Good stuff. Here's what you guys have to do. This is called Honey Hole H Trash. You need to go out fishing. That's step one. Find a time to go fishing. You deserved it. It's the holidays. Yeah. You need some time off. Yeah, exactly. Time off. Trout fishing. Space just, for your family. Yeah. yeah, you need some space. You know, <laughs> kids are giving you a hard time. <laughs> Wife or husband's getting after you. Yeah. Uh, a bunch of honeydews that are stacking honeydew up. List. No. Add fishing. To <laughs> just go away. Just go away. Add fishing to your honeydew list. Yeah. Go outside. Enjoy yourself. Take in the nature. Take in the rain. Take your fly rod. And take a trash bag, most importantly. While you're out there fishing, not catching anything, catching trees, you see a piece of trash on the ground, pick it up, put it in your trash bag. Collect a nice little collection of trash. Come back from the river and remember, oh, those guys at Honey Hole are giving away free loon gear. Uh, because they hate trash. Because they hate trash. And I would like to enter to win some free gear. So I'm just going to go to honeyholeangling.com. Click on Honey Hole Hates Trash. It's in two different spots. You can't miss it. If you're on the, wi- if you're on the right website, you can't miss it. You're going to click on that. And then you're going to fill out the form. If you can't find that, you can go to our Instagram. Go to the link in our bio. And then there's click on that. And it'll take you to Honey Hole Hates Trash as well. Fill out the form. Upload a picture. It's very easy. And then you are entered to win. doesn't matter how much trash or how little trash you pick up. It does not matter. Just pick up some trash, answer a couple questions, upload a photo, and you're entered to win, I would say, roughly $175 package of gear from Loon. Gets you out of the house. Gets you, especially right now during Thanksgiving, right? So it gets you out of the house. Gets you your own private time, mental health. You're helping clean your local river. Yeah, it makes it pretty. Right? You're making it pretty. Now that feels good, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, it's already like, that's a, that's a nice getaway and from it is the a daily. Cele- celebration. Pick up some barbecue on the way home. Yeah, pick up some oh, barbecue. Oh, yeah. yeah. Treat yourself. Treat yep. yourself. Just make it about you. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, your day. You. it's your it's day. It's a your day. And, it's a year and day. help the river. And you're helping the river, which is going to yep. help you anyway when you go fish it. And maybe the river will thank you by allowing you to catch some fish. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Exactly. You know what? Put some, the put river some coins gods. in that karma bucket. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let the river yep. gods help you. Yeah. Yep. 
Treat yourself. Treat yourself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I yeah. like it. I'm okay. Excited. Thank you, Loon, for supplying all the gear for this. And if you want to sponsor our next uh, – oh, one thing I want to mention. Initially, we have been saying that this is going to end at the end of the year. I made a game day decision that ending something around Christmas and New Year's was not a good idea. Yeah. So this is going to end January 31st. I like it. So yeah, it a more time. you have through January to go pick up some trash, fill out the form. And what we would really appreciate, it would help us out a lot and help the campaign out, is if you guys went out and picked up trash and then posted it to Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, whatever, and mentioned what we were doing and kind of supporting the initiative that way. Right. Get thing, the word out there. If Let's this make thing, our, our rivers pretty. We live in a, a beautiful place. And no matter where you live, right, if you have access to water, yep. this isn't just a hill country or Texas-specific thing. It, yep. it can be wherever you're listening wherever from. Wherever you're listening from, if you're at the coast, heck, w- even if you're not able to pick up trash from your river, if you're able to pick up some trash, fill up a bag of trash and post it, we'll count that as a win, and you'll be entered to win. So just go pick up some trash, throw it in the garbage, and you're entered to win. And hopefully as this thing, we can get this thing to grow and get more people. We can get some people to donate some better, more expensive prizes right. and maybe start giving away rod outfits, whatever. Yeah, just, and just, just keep get this it done now. Yeah. Get it done now because you know, we might have some cool stuff towards the, towards yeah. the end of this. Do it. Could or you never know. Nobody may be listening to us. And you may be, be the, the only one, one person, person yeah. that picks up trash, and then it's a guaranteed win. Yep, exactly. But you no, won't man. know unless you go out and pick up trash. You don't know unless you try. I'm ready. I'm ready to go now. Let's go get some trash. Let's go. You got trash bags? Yeah, trash bags. Oh yeah. Yes. Actually, I want to go fishing now. <laughs> I want to do both. <laughs> you know, I go yeah, I'm gonna go fish a little bit tomorrow. Oh man, lucky. So, Zach, you you went hunting, didn't you? I did this past weekend. Okay. How was yeah. that? It was good. I went up. You know, it's it's funny. People always have different rumors, like, oh, when it's raining, they're like, oh, those deer are bedded down. They don't oh, see yeah. anything. Yeah. And then other people are like, oh, the best time I've ever hunted was when, there's, when it's raining, you know. So I went up Friday towards Kerrville, Hill Country area. And um, let's see. Friday, ate at Billy Jean's. Have you ever been up there? Billy Jean's is like the famous restaurant in Kerrville. Mm-hmm. Not famous, famous. It's just like. It's a restaurant. It's a restaurant. No, I haven't. It's just a restaurant. Curve. No, I'm interested. No, it's good. I like go visit small town. Yeah, I, mean, I would say the next time you're in Kerrville, go to the north side, eat at Billy Jean's. It's good. It's good, just like home cooking. Yeah, you know. cool. Go, go to Mary's in the morning. Yeah, do some Ooh. antiquing. Do some antiquing. Or the fishing. Why? Or fishing. Why do you yeah, antique? Hit the or fish. wife can go antiquing and you can go fishing. Or your wife can go fish with you. Or she can go antiquing and I could go fishing. <laughs> or you could go antiquing and she could go fishing. Oh, this is true. This a little true. role reversal. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Find some cool stuff. <laughs> <laughs> might cost me more money. <laughs> can't tell yourself. You might though. find a vintage fly rod. <laughs> Vin- yeah, exactly. Hey, a vintage you know fly rod, vintage <laughs> duck call. <laughs> yeah. You never know. <laughs> it's easier to tell somebody else they can't spend money. <laughs> yeah, this is true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh. so we uh, we ate there obviously. Then we went up. We're staying like in an RV that's on some property, and then uh, woke up Saturday morning. I knew I was going to hunt a doe that way I could get some meat for the freezer. And I get out there and probably like I get out probably around six six a.m. Around ten minutes into my sit, uh, a big buck is like rushing like rumbling around the brush next to me. And he runs through. He just kind of runs across. So it was kind of neat to see him. Probably six points or so. And then right at uh, 
daylight, right at, you know, daybreak, I guess. Um, a little dough comes out. Two dough come out. Uh, one is a good-sized dough. Another one's probably her fawn from last year. You know, not not a small, small dough, but not huge. Not yet. You know? Um, and so I watched her probably like 10 minutes or so, just kind of like, I don't know. Sometimes I just like. Yeah, just to watch. Sometimes you just cool. watch, yeah. you know. Yeah. You know, I give them names, make it real sad. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. How did Bambi oh, take it? Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. I think about, you know, the life that it's already lived and how happy it was. So it'll make the meat taste better. And how, exactly. Yeah. How happy it's going to make me. It's yeah. just, you know. Yeah. It is. So <laughs> it's a whole thing. <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> then I, uh, you know. I shoot. I, you know, it was pretty. It, there, the property has the feeders only like forty or fifty yards away. Okay. So the 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 shots aren't tough. Obviously not. Yeah. Right. No. You just got to make sure you're dialed in right for that. You, you do. Know? Yeah. 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 And uh, but mine was like I was really happy with my shot. Um, she was kind of quartered towards me a little bit. Okay. So it hit her front right, kind of like where your like collarbone, maybe a little under where your collarbone is. Okay. And then pretty much straight through the heart, and then right out the other side. Okay, good. Um, and Not so too much. Do, do, do you keep your heart? Your hearts? I don't. Well, I have in the past. Okay. Um, I didn't this time. Yeah, mainly because also too, like it literally got you know yeah blown up. But um, so yes, yeah, so Nadi got shot, and then you know let it sit for a few minutes, and then drug it over and and uh, field dressed it. They have a little uh, hanging system <laughs> that uses like an old swing. Like an old child swing that you just like <laughs> hang it up there, <laughs> and so it. But it works, you know. It's actually it's a good height. Um, so yeah, so cleaned it out. I was, you know, it's every time you feel dressed, it gets a little bit easier. Yeah. And this time felt like it, it was the best. And I think a lot of it too came with like the shot placement was really, yeah, was, was nice. You didn't have to worry about like did I mess up somewhere? Exactly. Am I leaking? Am I leaking someplace? Right. Because my last deer, I hit her a little high, and it, it kind of went right through her. Um, her back strap. Okay. You know, and so, like, I got probably three quarters of it, but it was still, like, kind of bad. But this one was, like, clean shot. I was really happy with it. So, I took it to this new place, dropped it off, and um, and now it is already ready just a couple days later. We were talking about that before the podcast. That I don't know. Like, I've never actually asked any processing place, like, how it's supposed to work. Like, do they hang it for a few days? Got it, or yeah. do they, you know, like, what... Because most of the time when you take it to a place, it takes probably two to three weeks at least before mm-hmm. you get your meat. And this place was like three days later. I you don't know it. why. Why? Here's the other thing. Maybe they did hang it, but maybe you didn't get your meat. Yeah, that's the other thing too. Maybe, maybe you got meat. a meat from another. Maybe they just like, oh, you brought in a deer, so we're going to give you a deer. Yeah, I don't think that. Some well, places th- have some been places known to, to do, do that. Yeah. Have that. Yeah, I'm sure they have, but I don't, I'm don't. i not worried about that with this place. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's, there's always something to think about there, you know. Um, have you done any of the processing? Have you, t- obviously, besides besides cleaning, have you, are, do you always take it to a place, or have you kept it before? And I have processed it, uh, not last year. Last year I, I had it processed, but the two two deer before that I, I did myself. Okay. And um, one of them was good. I waited about a day before I actually processed it, and I think that helped. And then the one I did the next time, so like two years ago, I processed pretty much like a couple hours after I killed it. Okay. And so like, you know, I think that was fine. 
Um, I do. Um, but, you know, for... And this was obviously when I had an apartment beforehand. I was paying people to, to do it, too. So... I don't know. I just, for the hundred bucks, I find it's just easier sometimes. That way they package it the right way. Yeah. I don't have a, um, a, uh, air, what are they called? Vacuum sealer. Vac- thank you. Vacuum mm-hmm. sealer. I don't have one of those. Um, typically I always thought they hung them a little bit to kind of age them a little bit. So I always liked that. I was paying for that. Yeah. Um, but the actual like boning them out and stuff, I'm not afraid of. But I do like to the hell they, I, I usually get some ground because we use a lot of ground. Yeah. I don't have a grinder either. And I don't have access to like the beef or the bacon to like actually add that extra fat into it. Yeah, you'd have to buy it. Yeah, it, it's but not something it, it's I would... It's a process. I mean, it's like making tamales, man. It's a, it's a process. Right, and it's probably worth it. And I think at some point, I probably would venture to try it again. And I'd say... Maybe if we shot more than one deer a year. But that's the thing with Kendall and I, like, we don't really need more than one deer a year. And plus, if I supplement with maybe some, excuse me, some dubs, some fish, you know, other things. Or, um, you know, like, somebody in my family usually always gets a turkey. I told you guys, too, other people in my family, they don't eat a ton of deer, but they still, like, get deer meat. And so, usually, they end up giving me some as well. And so, by that time, for one deer to have all that equipment, I don't necessarily know if it's worth it for me. You know, yeah. If I was shooting like four or five deer a year, because I got friends that are like they got they got access to places where they're just like game management, shooting yeah. does and like cold bucks and right. stuff like that, and they're shooting four or five deer a year. And if that's the case, yeah, it's not worth the cost to me process four or five deer. If I'm shooting one deer maybe a two, year, yeah. maybe two, then I would say if you're shooting two a year, it that's the point where. It, in my mind, it would be worth considering processing yourself. If I was consistently sh- uh, shooting two a year, I think I would probably invest in a little bit more of a, of a setup. And then there's that it. learning curve, too. So you kind of have to have, because like you said, you know, you're getting more used to, like, cleaning deer and doing all that. It is, because, like, every time I've shot a deer uh, recently, it's kind of like, oh, well, crap. What do I do again? What's the process? Mm-hmm. It's like kind of like walking myself through it. Yeah. Where really, I just need to go work at like a deer processing place for like a couple <laughs> oh, days, dude. Yeah, after after I'm sure after five hours, you know, you'd, literally, it's you'd be, yeah, it's you, yeah. Because and, it, and it, even watching the movies or not the movies, like the YouTube videos on it, there's a ton of YouTube videos that are ten minutes to to field dress and and you know get it ready quick. Yeah, and you see the guy do it, and you're like, dang, you know. But if you do it enough. I can't imagine it's. Yeah, it's mine probably much. took about fifteen. I would say. Yeah. Um, but I didn't skin it. I've skinned it in the past. Yeah. And you gut it in the field and then hang it, or did you gut it hanging? I got it hanging. Yep. Yeah. And then uh, Frank had. See, that's new. not something I'm used to. I've always like done it in the field. And I see. I've never done it uh, laying down. I've always hung it. When so I yeah, so, oh sorry. When I shot uh, the pig, and they were showing me how to, you know, gut it hanging, I was like, man, this is actually. Really nice, yeah. yeah because then gravity like pulls everything out once right. you cut everything, and I'm like, it, this is a game changer. Hanging yeah. it is, like I said, I've never done it the other way, but I just know how easy and convenient it is to hang it, and it's yeah. If you have the time, it's it's or if you have the spot, it's worth it. My dad uh, has been saying that uh, we need to bring this uh, old swing set that is at one of our uh, that was at my great granddad's house. It's like a welded swing set, uh-huh. and he's like, "We should bring that over the house and like use that to hang." Deer. Well, I told you that's why I used this past weekend was an old swing set. I had stepped away for that second. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So you used a swing set. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. The, obviously, the swings weren't there, 
and but they have the like the S hooks essentially, mm-hmm. where you pop them in, you know, behind the deer um, knees essentially, and then you put the other S above on the the bar. Oh, perfect. Uh, now it's, I would say try to find a winch or a crank or a come along to help you get the deer up because, like, my doe was a good sized doe, and with two men, like I mean, like we're we're getting up there because you're you're you know full arm above the yeah the swing set, but. But it definitely works really well. It's a good height too. Um, I'm trying to think, I was gonna say something else. Uh, like I said, we didn't we didn't skin it. We just field dressed it. Um, and they skinned it at the processing place. Yeah, they do yeah. the four, good old four wheeler trick. I don't know what they did. Again, I'm sure they got a guy, some dude that comes in has. The uh, sharp we used to take deer to this place <laughs> where they would like uh, make some cuts and then yeah, uh, hook p- hook it up to a four wheeler. And then they would just drive, and it would just pull the skin yeah, right yeah. off. And what was cool is when I was dropping it off, though, a guy was dropping off another deer. Or not a deer. He was dropping off. So he had a property. He had hunted the last two weekends, you know, since opening weekend. And he said he hadn't seen any deer when he had been out hunting. And then all of a sudden, an exotic walks on his property, you know. <laughs> and so he got it. And he said about five minutes later, a ram came out, and he got the ram too. But what? he had to go hunt the ram or uh, track the ram, and he couldn't find it. So he was going to go back and look for it. But what he got was a – looks like a Sika is what the guy said. Okay. Interesting. Huh. Okay. Wait, let me see. Wait, pull that picture back it's again. Like, it's like – it's a – it looks like a – Deer, but it's got the smaller antlers. So the antler, yes, it's like a spike Sika. Spike, yeah. Because normally those antlers are big on um, on one of those. Yeah. So and that's my doe behind it. So you <laughs> you can see it. That's dude. That's yeah. awesome luck a just to size. have. Yeah, but still, that's awesome luck to that's awesome to see those two. Yeah. Yeah. So it was cool. We got to see that. I mean, hell, that's a three thousand dollar hunt right there. Just yeah. With yeah. Those two. He said it's kind of walked out. Yep. So. Um, but yeah, but all in all, so my goal was to go there and get one doe. Um, I did hunt Saturday night and Sunday morning looking for hogs, orphan axis, because like, you know, it's an axis. Axis is the holy grail. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I didn't see anything else. I saw, <laughs> it's funny, I saw deer the entire weekend, though. Um, like bucks, other does, everything. Frank didn't see anything else. Um, and after I got mine in that morning, I was like, hey, dude, like, whichever blind you want to sit in i'll go to the other one you know so he was making the calls and i just happened to sit at the one that had <laughs> all the deer each time um but yeah you know good stuff i'm excited nice. it's always nice when you go and get a deer oh yeah well my weekend was uneventful um i uh got honeydews done and uh winterized the our uh the travel trailer what did you end up doing with it because i know we talked about it the last so there's a couple ways to winterize it. Um, option number one is you can put antifreeze in the plumbing system. Okay. Um, and option number two is you can completely drain the plumbing system, including, like, blowing air through it to make sure that there's no water in it. I opted for blowing air because it's really not cold enough here to justify antifreeze yeah. in the whole plumbing system. We might system. have, like, we're, it's very seldom that we'll have, like, now, a f- Full freeze for a couple of days. Yeah, my I did. Uh, they did recommend with the air that you still put antifreeze in the p trap, so below the sink and uh, in the shower drain, and then a little bit in the toilet area. Um, but that was just pouring it in the sink. I didn't actually have to like pump yeah. antifreeze through the system. 
Um, it took a while. We also did a lot of like taking stuff out that we haven't used because what we did when we got the trailer is like we're gonna need all this stuff and we like loaded it and organized it and all this and then we've now that we've used it probably half a dozen times we're like oh we haven't even touched half this so we spent time like going through it and be like okay we didn't use this like is do we really need this no. Um, so pulling a lot of stuff out and kind of reorganizing. Mm-hmm. And so spent a lot of time doing that and getting the trailer renderized because we won't use the trailer again until Trout, Trout Fest. Fest. So that's our plan right now. Um, and then uh, just like cleaned up the garage. If you guys walk into my garage, you would be pretty impressed. It's uh, very clean right now. And we are, uh, I don't know, me and McKenna have been doing some like life planning lately and Good. thinking about things and like trying to get rid of some stuff and so we're uh, trying to make some plans and see what we want to do. Uh, so just kind of doing a lot of that this weekend. And uh, but otherwise, it was good. I missed we missed the flies and flames. Part of it was like I had a long to do list. Part of it was like I don't I didn't want to drive to Austin in the rain and the cold. Um, that was the other part. So sorry we missed flies and flames. I know some guys had uh, reached out and asked if we were going to be there. And uh, Zach was hunting, and Gabe had a golf tournament, which he's going to talk about in a minute. <laughs> um, I did uh, get to watch a little bit of football this weekend, too, which was good. Honestly, the uh, – talk about football a little bit. Number one, Tech won. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> so we're one game away from our seven-win prediction. It's, yeah. So <laughs> very much reality. Still it's very, very much reality. Yeah. Thanks, uh, Sean. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, watching uh, Tennessee fall apart has been one of the uh, – Happiest things I've witnessed. Why? Because okay, so here's the deal. Going into this season, I normally root for the underdog. Right. Like Tennessee hasn't been relevant in ten years. I'm all about it. So like early on in the season, I'm like, let's go Tennessee, win the SEC. I want somebody else to win other than Bama, LSU, Georgia. Like let's go because I like other teams winning. Like I'm pumped that TCU is rolling through the Big Twelve right now. I'm happy for TCU, even though there's like a little bit of bad blood there. I would rather TCU win than just about anybody else. Like, if it's not Tech, TCU, great. If Baylor, if it was Baylor, I'm rooting for you guys 100% of the way. Any Big 12 team, unless it's UT, uh, can't kind of vote you. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Any any underdog. So, like, early on the season, I was, like, very much TCU. But then TCU lost to Georgia. Uh-huh. And then on TikTok, all the videos, and I don't know why they were recommending these videos to me, but all the videos were arguments of – Tennessee fans saying why they, as a one-loss team, should make it over an undefeated TCU team. Oh, what? Oh, dude, everybody. Wait, wait, but now Tennessee has two losses. They do. So this was before the loss. Uh, It doesn't matter now. It doesn't matter now. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I hear that argument. Yeah. So (laughs) when Tennessee was a one-loss team, they were making all of these arguments about how they should make it in over TCU as an undefeated. if things had stayed the same and TCU went undefeated and Tennessee was a one-loss team, <coughs> that Tennessee should bump TCU out of the Final Four. And that was honestly frustrating me a lot. And so I was like, I kind of turned on them. Uh-huh. And watching South Carolina absolutely wreck them this weekend yeah. was extremely satisfying. And then where have all the TCU bins on TC- – I mean, not TCU. Tennessee. Tennessee fans been now that they have two losses. Where are you guys? None of our listeners are Tennessee fans, I doubt it. But They might be. They might be. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. We might get an angry message. But yeah. 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe. We'd love to hear from you. Please hit us up yeah, at uh, on our Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or or on this podcast comment section. That'd be great. Too. Well, and for oh. a minute, I thought TCU was going to lose. Did you Dude, guys see that ending? That was crazy. That was nuts. I'm yeah, so they did not manage the clock time well, and they they had to kick a field goal without a timeout with like yeah. less than twenty seconds, so they rushed yeah, the like kick. Twelve seconds left. They start it running did, off the field. Yeah, the kicker didn't even look like he, he just like walked up, set, boom. Dude's he, a legend. Yeah, usually, yeah, like, really, usually yeah. like like they pace it off, you know, and then get ready to kick. It's like you got a spot, run and kick. Yep. Yeah. Did you see that Dana Beers picked uh, Cincinnati? Did not over Tech and South Carolina. Wait, wait, what? You know, you know this? No, the Dana Beers thing. Oh, Carson and I've been talking about it. Okay, what's going on there? So Dana Beers is like this, like barstool sports, uh, kind of like just guy, I guess. You know, and he said at the beginning of this football season, he was gonna find one college football team or one college team to root for for the rest of his life, right? Yeah. And he's twenty nine years old, so he narrowed it down to five at the beginning of the season: Tech, Cincinnati. Uh, University of South Carolina. Uh, who else? Did he, oh, he had Oklahoma State on there as well. And, um, oh, my gosh, he had one other person on there. I forget what. But anyways, about a month ago, so, like, then as the season went on, he went and visited every campus throughout the year. <laughs> oh, nice. So this so, is pretty legit. Yeah, he went, and, like, he was all in, and, like, the fans This was, like, the it. baseball thing I was going to do but never actually did. Right. And so, like, he went <laughs> into those five campuses, or he went to four campuses because I was going to have to And he watched games, home games? He went to the home games. He was at the UT game for us. Okay. He was there when Cincinnati had their big win this year. He was there at, the, at South Carolina this past weekend when they beat Tennessee. Oh so he's like bringing teams really good, good luck, luck when yeah. he's there, and nobody can really explain it. Yeah. Um, so he knew that yesterday, what was it, the 23rd or 21st, pick. he was going to pick at 5 p.m. He was going to make his decision like a signing day, you know. So he'd been leaning up. He'd been like engaging with fans and all this stuff. And then, like I said, like end of September, he said, okay. He's like, I don't like OSU, so I'm cutting it. He's like, I will, I'm cutting my trip to – Whatever city they are in Oklahoma, you know, he's like, I'm not doing it anymore. So they narrowed it down to four. So then yesterday he sits down and does this huge thing and like he starts faking everybody out. He starts putting on all the hats nice. and everything. <laughs> nice. And then so he, then he makes it think like he's going to put on all the hats. So he puts on everybody's except and he takes them off, like shrugs his head. And then the only one left is tech. And so we're like, oh man, he's picking tech, you know. So he puts it on his head and he's still like, nah. But he waited too long and he took it off, you know. And then he ended up picking Cincinnati because he likes Skyline Chili. So okay, so now everybody online is just like you know. But I feel like all those picks were all on that same level of maybe not national ch- ch- titles, but they'd have they'll have ups and downs through the season to keep it fun. That's exactly why he did it, and he picked those few teams. He was like, it's just you know, those are the ones that's kind of. It's easy to pick Alabama. Yeah, you no, know. it's easy yeah. to pick Alabama or Ohio State, but it's fun to pick those groups that he that he did in the sense that. They could ruin someone's chances from going <laughs> yeah. to, yep. you know, and, and it makes it that much more fun. Gabe, how was golfing? Oh, I almost died. I did die. Um, I'm alive. Uh, earlier in the week, I got a call from a buddy. He's like, hey, uh, this Elf Lee's tournament's going on. We played it before. Um, our fourth is out. Uh, you know, are you available? I'm like, yeah, you know what? Let's, let's do it. I've been busy at work. Let's do it. And I didn't even – I'm so excited I didn't even look at the weather. And if I had, I probably would have been like, oh, hell no. <laughs> hell no, I'm not playing in it. 
because uh, I think the high was 47 with a uh, 90% chance of rain all morning. Uh, so regardless, still still played a little bit during the during the week. It's cold. I'm like, man, I, if it's cold, we're going to be okay. If it's wet, we're going to be in trouble. We got out there, 8 o'clock in the morning uh, was, was the, the shotgun start. At 7.50, it starts just downpouring. Uh, we finally get onto the course at 8.30. It's just raining. Everything's wet. I mean, I, you couldn't even figure out, like, what to wear. I was wearing blue jeans. I was like, I just need something that's going to kind of keep me warm, something heavy. Like, four jackets on. So trying to swing a golf club with that much is a pain in the butt. And just everything was soaked. We were two under after four. And on the golf carts, they have these monitors. And it tells you, you know, the distance from the holes and stuff. And a little thing came up and said, if you want to get a rain check, you can. So we're like, yeah, forget this. We're, we're done. Four holes in, two on. I mean, we were playing well considering, you know, your grips are soaked. Your, your gloves are soaked. All your clothes are soaked. Uh, so we made it in. We got our we got our um, uh, our rain checks. I went home, and I mean, like my underwear was wet. Like that's like just every Everything sock, dude. Every I had soaked. to like I had to take all my clubs out to air dry, hang up jackets, it, and it, they're still wet. Like they're still soaked, man. Nice. It was just, I it was it was a morning, you know, and and uh, you know, wife's laughing at me. You know, because she's like, "Isn't we cold and wet?" I don't know why you're you're dummy. You're dummy from going <laughs> out there. And I'm like, "Well, I already said yes. We're gonna do this." So you're dummy, right? I so and it sucks because like we didn't. I didn't stay for the raffle. I bought some raffle tickets, so no telling if I had won anything. Because you know, I feel like these these little scramble tournaments are always fun. Because you can, yeah, you might not get first place, but you're gonna hopefully go home with some with some raffle stuff. So, but this tournament, this Elf Louise tournament, never fails. I've played it in, in the past. Uh, several years and and every tournament every time we've played we've all had the same issues we had one where the cold front came in that morning and it was 36 at T- at Brackenridge it was 36 degrees and i had like an elmer fudd hat mm-hmm. i had like you know um what do you like plant pants dude, all my yeah all my sitka stuff on basically uh there was g- guys in uh, hunter onesies you know, mm-hmm. all the camo onesies. Just doing everything can to stay warm. Exactly. And then we had another year where, like, everything was fine, and a front came in, like, on the f- first, like, two holes. So, like, we teed off. We played the first hole. No problem. It was great. It was, like, maybe 67, 70 degrees. Beautiful morning. By the time we got to the tee box of the third hole, winds pick up to, like, 25 miles an hour. And by the time we get done, it's, it drops, like, 25 degrees. <laughs> So you're like you're tr- you're hitting like seven irons, ninety yards because it's just that wind's pumping in your face. Um, I don't know, man. I, I just, ugh. yeah. It was it was. I got home, and I just took a hot shower and just like chilled out. And it nice. took me a while to even get warm. I just felt you just felt like just cold. Just cold. Yeah, dude, cold and wet. Yeah. So I don't know. I'd say never again, but probably next year I'll do it again. Do it again <sighs> for good cause. Yep. Yeah. All right, Zach. Let's go over our uh, Christmas items so list. So how you want to do it? Like one, two, three, one, two, three? Yeah, so here's what we did. We picked each picked three items that we would either want to receive for Christmas or that we think that would make a good Christmas gift. And a lot of us, we already have these items. But um, if you're looking to buy 
for a fly fisherman or woman in your life. Uh, this is a good list to start off of. We're also going to put this in blog form with like links to everything. Yep. So that'll be available by the time this comes out. Um, and then we all agreed on one item uh, that we think is like the mega gift. Um, we came together and we picked one item to be like the representation of, uh, uh, you know, what would be like the sweetest gift we could receive. And then we're like sneaking in an 11th item that is like probably not going to happen, but like let's shoot for the moon and see what happens. Right. Exactly. So probably unrealistic. Maybe you just sold a Pokemon card for a ton of cash. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And now yeah. Or a baseball NFL card player. or, uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll see what happens. So, hey, real quick, did you see that NFL player who retired after he sold that Pokemon card? No. Oh, yeah, this past week, an NFL player sold like an extremely rare Pokemon card for seven hundred grand, and then just like quit the next day. That's like one year. That's like minimum salary. I know. <laughs> yeah, he is supposed to make like one point one million this year. Nice. So I don't know. Maybe there's other things going on. Who knows? Jake Paul probably bought it. Yeah. Well, I d- I saw that one video where he he had one that he opened up. Jake Paul opened, and it was. Fake. Doesn't he like enter he his like boxing matches? Mil. Doesn't he enter his boxing matches? Yeah, he's with, like, got Pokemon one Pokemon card it's on like his neck. Four mil. That that specific card he has on. Yeah, yeah. six point one. It's because I read it in the article yesterday. Yeah, absolutely nuts. All right, so I'll go first. Can I see my list since I kind of forgot what I said? Yeah, you can try to read my handwriting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're in the middle. <laughs> okay, it looks like a prescription for me. Just yeah. handed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It does. It's probably worse. Scram- like, yeah. teachers and doctors, it, I guess. You know. So all the items I picked are uh, $75 to the 150 price point, so like kind of middle tier. I yeah. know these guys picked some different things, but I kind of like went middle tier gifts. Um, my first item, you want me to go through all three? Since Yeah, yeah I'll just do here. all three. Yeah, okay. You want to do all three? That's yeah. yeah, that's fine. Okay, so I'm going to do all three. So the first item I picked is actually an item that I don't have, but that we recently talked about on our YouTube channel because uh-huh. Loon sent it to us as part of the giveaway for the Honey Hole Hates Trash. And that's the Loon Apex HD pliers. No, those weren't the trout pliers. Those were the other ones that I handed to you in the video. And I was like, feel how light these are? Yeah. And then you're like, am I even holding anything? Because they basically are super light. So what they are is they're a saltwater or a bass plier with cutters on them. But they're extremely light. It was crazy how light they were. It's almost unbelievable. They come with a holster that's really nice. And... Uh, like really nice saltwater pliers can be extremely expensive. Very yeah. expensive, yeah. And these are a hundred bucks. Yeah, that's that's a great price point. So, um, it's very realistic for you to get like a nice pair of pliers, but also like I mean, I would love a pair of able pliers, but I ain't spending three hundred dollars, three hundred for an unpainted and six hundred for a painted yeah. pair. Um, or like even other like Hatch and Orvis, they like they make really nice saltwater pliers, but they're also really expensive. Yeah. So for a hundred bucks, getting a great set of pliers, this would make a fantastic gift. And they're corrosion resistant, so they're good in the salt. Yeah, and then you can replace the uh, cutters and the jaws on them. Yep, there's replaceable parts, so if something does happen, you got you can order replacement parts. It is a fantastic option, and uh, if someone wanted to get that for me for Christmas, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna complain. My next item is the uh, is a headlamp, the Black Diamond Storm 500R. Yeah. So uh, it's a recent headlamp purchase I had, but like with all the travel trailer camping we're doing, fishing, if you're out at night, when I winterized the trailer, like I talked mm-hmm. about earlier, I was using that headlamp because I was doing it at night. And that headlamp is great. It's got multiple modes, so you can have like the wide view, 
You can have like a really uh, spotlight spotlight view, and then they're rechargeable, so you don't have to buy batteries for them. That's nice because mine are all no. I have one set that's rechargeable, but you know, double A AA or triple A was the way to go for a while. Yeah, yeah. so uh, uh, they're really nice, and I think price point on those is about seventy five bucks, which is a great price. I mean, like that's a decent. A decent headlamp. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, for sure. And Black Diamond makes great stuff they as do. well. And then my last item is the Orvis Pro Approach shoes. Now, I know it's hard buying shoes for somebody as a gift because you don't know the sizing, but having worked for Orvis, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you could get a pair for Christmas and go swap them out if they're not the right size. Yeah. But these are a wet weighting shoe, and they have the Michelin rubber on the bottom. Um, I feel like it's a superior grip compared to other like most shoes are Vibram rubber. It's superior grip to Vibram rubber. And uh, they're just a great wet weighting shoe. Um, and these are the shoes I wear the most being in the Texas Hill Country. I know we're moving the winter. It's getting colder. Now it's waiter season. But like most of the year, and if I'm at the coast, I'm wearing these shoes. Mm-hmm. And uh, they are fantastic. So that is my list of three. Let's go to Zach. All right. So the three things that I would suggest – for your holiday shopping list. The first thing is something I actually recently just bought, um, and that is the Garmin Instinct 2. It is a watch. Um, now, I had an Apple Watch for a couple years, but I rarely wore it because it's just, to be honest, the hassle of having to recharge it every few hours pretty much uh, got annoying. Yeah. And I felt like I'm kind of over my Apple Watch, honestly. Right, and like the screen was like you had to you had to move your wrist to actually see the time, and it's just like it's little things like that that. And that, granted, that was an older model. Now I know they fixed that. But it's just, like, little things like that. It's just kind of frustrating. So um, I had a Garmin Phoenix 3, which is, like, Garmin's premier outdoor watch. And I had that probably seven years ago now. Um, And I really did enjoy it. But also, again, it was older technology. It was the last one they made without, like, an HR, like, a heart rate sensor. Um, They didn't have as many different apps and different things on it. And uh, but I did I loved the Garmin interface I love that that style, so um, you know as I've been coaching and obviously with exactly fishing, for that the coaching aspect because that it, watch looks like it's going to be hard to scratch right it's durable um, you know it, it has it has kind of that not necessarily I guess a rubber type it is uh, yeah that goes around because I have the I have the Phoenix Six X mm-hmm. and. It, it, I've bumped it up against stuff. I'm like, oh man, did I scratch it? And it it's pretty indestructible. But right. that at least there, like you know, if you bump into it, you're not going to scratch what you bumped into. Right. It's a good form factor. It definitely just looks like yeah. an outdoor watch, you know. Um, but what I like it is it has like tactile buttons, kind of like the Phoenix does, you know. Um, it has a heart rate sensor that's really good. It has um, a backlight. It's not color screen like I know the, it, yours is right the Phoenix Six. Yeah, yeah, but you got you got to hit the button to kind of right, get the see l- and even then the colors aren't like popping, but still yeah. it's okay. Yeah, so this is like everything I want a smartwatch to be. It gives you glances, which is what they call them, which is it gives you like all the notifications your phone gets, which is a simple buzz. Um, but it also has things like temperature, weather, future weather. Like it has a barometer and. Uh, it has an altitude uh, meter. It has so many different things, but it's just like, I don't know. The form factor, it is nice. Like you said, it's it's really tough. Yeah. It's really sturdy. Every time I wore my Apple Watch, I felt like I was just scratching the glass constantly. And I think even when you go out outdoors and you, you have your nice gun or something, like I, I, I get wary sometimes when I'm wearing this and I have like my nice Beretta. Right. But I'm going to like, I don't know, just hit the gun with it. You yeah. know, I feel like it'll yeah. 
acting or whatever. That, like I said, it no, it's 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 like a normal sports ball. It's got like the rubber band, but it also has like um like a plastic rubber face, and it's just I don't know. I'm really really happy with it. I what's the price point on it? So regularly, it, it they start at three fifty. Um, they make the forty five millimeter size and a forty. This is the the forty five, so the forty be a little bit smaller. Um, regularly three fifty. Amazon's having a, a good deal where I got this one for two fifty actually. Um, and they actually make one that's really cool that has solar glass for the screen. So you, it's see through glass, but it charges the watch through the solar. So if you're like going on like a long hunt. How much more is that version? $100 more. Okay. So for the solar glass. Um, and essentially, you could get like, they say like 70 to 80 days out of it, right? So it's, it's probably because it's a slower charge. It does drain eventually. But my my watch will last 25 days on a full charge, which is another reason why I went with this over like an Apple Watch. What about with GPS? Uh, GPS for uh, three to five. So I'm assuming probably two or three. Yeah, know, and, there's, and there's even different levels on the GPS. Too yeah, that you, you, can, be you can pull pings every minute. You can pull them every seven seconds or whatever it is. And so the more often you're pulling pings, the more the quicker your battery's going to die. Gotcha. Um, but, yeah, so the Garmin Instinct 2, I am I really like this watch. I'm happy. Is I that the latest model? Is there an Instinct This three? is the latest model, yep. And the Instinct 1 they actually are still selling for like 150 to 200, yeah. but there are some upgrades. Like they put the most recent heart rate sensor on this, so it's like accurate to even like a chest strap heart rate sensor within like I think they said like five to ten percent, which is pretty good for a wrist one. Okay. Um, and um, the people still love their Instinct One. Like if they even if they bought it, they're still using them. Um, and so I know this one's going to be just the same, like as far because they they took everything people complained about the Instinct One and fixed those, but kept everything they loved, and it's just I don't know. Nice. I'm really really happy with it. I've only had it for nice. a couple of days, but so far I'm happy with that purchase. Awesome. So yeah, the Garmin Instinct Two around two fifty to three fifty if you can find it, uh, or you can should be able to find it. Uh, my second thing is for forty five dollars the Fish Pond Tacky Pescador Fly Box, specifically the one with the magnet, the mag pad. Um, just because it's kind of like a good all-in-one fly box. It has spots for your tiny trout flies. It has one side for your terrestrials, and then it also has a little magnet there at the bottom. So if you have any tiny zebra midges, or a lot of us, you know, working in the cold, it's hard to just grab a fly, stick it back in there. Um, you can just put it on the mag pad to let it dry out. Um, but I like Tacky. I have a lot of their products, and um, I uh, I don't have their Pescador. It is on my list, actually, because... I like it so much, but I am, um, I don't know, it's hard to go wrong with tacky. Yep, I agree. And then my third thing is a vice. Um, now, with vices, uh, there's so many different ones out there. Um, personally, I have a Renzetti, and I love it. It is uh, a great price point. I think it's around 150 to 160 The Traveler? Um, the Traveler, yeah, nice. yep. That's what I got. I love that vice. It's a good size. It feels sturdy. Um, the jaws have never given up on me. Um it is just a good all-around vice. I wouldn't necessarily call it an entry-level vice because of the price point, but I would say it is a good start, like early vice. You could fly, you could tie flies on that vice forever. Forever, exactly. But like a but lot of the entry ones, you kind of get tired of them after a few months because well, of the how much. It's just the like other kind of are. like any like craftsman. It's like that vice is like, uh, I don't know. It's like eventually. If you become a craftsman at something, you want the nicest tools right. for that, yeah. whatever you're doing. But if you're tying flies... And the Renzetti is like the tried and true, right. but it's not the nicest tools. Right. 
but it, so. it gets the job done and it gets the job done well mm-hmm. um versus you know something more of like a regal or obviously like the norovice which is even more yeah. which if we had the norovice guys on um you know, I don't know if you'd buy that for somebody without asking if that's what they wanted because the, that vice is so specific. You know what so I mean? So different. It is. Like, I feel like somebody would have to They'd be have wanting to ask that. for it. Exactly. Versus, like, if you, if somebody's interested in tying flies, I feel like a Regal or a Renzetti, that, that is a vice. You know, that is a standard vice versus, like, if a normal vice, it is so specific on And if what you wanted to get a Renzetti, the Traveler, there's, like, a lot of other options mm-hmm. that they make, and they only go up from there. Right. The Traveler so, is their base model. Well, they have an Apprentice, which is a clamp, and it's not rotary. So that's, uh, like, the base model. Okay. But then I'd yeah. say the, you know, they have the Traveler, and they have the Clouser, which is straight jaws, and then they just go up from there, and you can get all the way up to $1,000. Mm-hmm. And then you can get the accessories for it, too. Yeah. You got the jaws and all that. Yeah. 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 But, yeah, so those are my three, the Garmin, the Flybox, and then a Vice. All right, Gabe, what are yours? All right, so on mine, I'm going to be starting off with a Cortland Competition Nymph Rod. Oh, God. Of course. You had to. It is resident nympher. Everybody Gabe, is I asking Euro for nymph. this. Gabe's like, I Euro Nymph, everyone, but I have to let everyone know. Gabe, everyone, you're <laughs> yeah. Just like, uh, what Nymph- is it? Euro Nymphomaniac. Yeah. What's that, the, the workout thing? They said, uh, CrossFit. CrossFit, yeah. The yeah. first rule of CrossFit is tell everyone that you CrossFit. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, uh, y- y- Cartland, that rod is, is a great start. It's about 300 bucks. You can probably find some for like 250 In a three weight. In a three weight. That's important. What length? Uh, it's 10 and a half. 10 and a half. Uh, three weight. The butt section's more like a five, so if you have a five weight, any five weight reel would match that perfectly and give good balance. Uh, not necessarily a four five reel, but a five six reel, uh, you'll be good. With no line, just backing, and if you want, to, if you if you have like your five weight reel that already has line on it, you can use that. But you're gonna have a thirty foot leader anyway. So wait, so you weren't joking? Really? Is you would just go straight backing, backing to a leader? Yeah, but so like on mine, so for for my three weight, I'm using a a four weight, um, a four weight, uh, weightless line. No, no, it's it's uh, the stupid reel is a um, light speed is okay. a is a Lampson light speed uh, model and reels great. It would balance better with a five weight reel. But I just don't have one because I just I usually fly fish the four weight anyway. Uh, but I have two. F- two reels for the four weight and one has like an uh, intermediate line. So the intermediate line one has my Euronymph leader on it and hardly ever you really getting into oh. the fly line when you get something big dragged out anyway. So that's usually how I have it set up and just grab and go. Um, but you don't need a dedicated rod or you don't need a dedicated reel for that. Uh, the next thing I have on here is a Sitka duck oven jacket uh initially i was wanting the fahrenheit yeah but which we find out that it is now discontinued which oh, i'm sad blah, blah. so the f- the f- the fahrenheit is kind of a puffy down jacket the duck oven is a puffy down jacket with the exception of more on the body it is uh, a heavier fleece because they they say well you're it's a waiter jacket so that that top part keeping you warm. The bottom part is a little bit 
thinner to allow for additional room when you're wearing your waders on. So that's the difference. Oh, that's why they did that. Yeah, that's right. That's what. So you you kind of have a little bit of a hybrid uh, on it. They're both really good. Uh, I know a a buddy of mine has a duck oven. Dude, they're they're so warm, and especially right now with the weather being cool, uh, I usually wear mine. You know, out out and about. Um, they're probably, I think it's like three, three fifty for that duck oven, but it's one of those definitely like buy one, cry once type of deal. Yeah. And, and do that'll be your Oprah's favorite That's things. Right yeah. There. And great for Oprah's fly fishing fish. too, or hunting or whatever. Yeah. Just all fish around. Fishing you'll be nice yeah, and warm. Yeah. Going um, on a Ferris wheel. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. It looks, it looks I was cool. actually telling McKenna, we were driving back, uh, th- two weekends ago and I was like kind of chill. I'm like. It would be the perfect day to go to Six Flags right now. It's oh, yeah. like nice and chilly. You'd be cold on the rides, but like it's only a minute, and then you can yeah. walk around and warm up. And then you get on a ride and you get cold yeah. for a little bit, but no one's gonna be there. No. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we've got our we've got our, our SeaWorld passes, and they have the lights out. So. Yeah. Go get there. splashed by a orca. Hell yeah! What's yeah. the nice thing about living down the, the street? It's not a not a huge deal. Sit in the front and freeze with that freezing ooh, water they splash ooh, on you. Ooh. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> the, the pee water, nothing like, you know, having, what? what, what do you mean? What you splashing pee water on people? Where do the orcas go to the bathroom? Oh yeah. I guess. In the do you ever think about that? No. Yeah. I talked to the kid the first time and we were like, Hey, this orcas and well, clearly something's they happening. They filter it. Yeah, it's gotta I'm be not, filtered. Cause clearly I don't see any poop floating around in there. We don't know. Well, you swim in the ocean. That's pee water. We should ask Sean when he was here. Hey, exactly. you, what do you know about Sea World? What's the outflows from that place showing? Exactly. Uh, the last thing I have in here is the Living Waters Texas Edition Able Reels. This is the Fly Fishing the Republic. It's a blue Able Reel with a white star. And I think the t- Texas is on each point, right? The T E X. Yes, yeah. on, on and it says point. Fly Fish the Republic. Oh, it's such a sexy reel. Yeah. It is. Uh, how much is that reel, Gabe? On the low side, five, six, no, six fifty. I think oh, on the say, low yeah. side. Yeah, it's only money. <sighs> it's only, only money. money. Can't take it with you, dude. But I you don't can't take the reel with you either. I guess so. I literally, I go over there, bury him with it. I feel like. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I I feel like it's like Wayne's World when he goes to the to the guitar place and he's always holding the guitar, you know, and getting ready to buy it. And yeah. like, I'll walk into Living Waters and you know say hi to Chris and then just look at that 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 reel and all right, I'm gonna put I, it back up for you, Gabe. Touch it, <laughs> touch it. Not today, Chris. <laughs> and then you know put it put it back down, you know. So um, and then one day you'll have your moment where you're like, box is, her up. It is mine. Oh yeah. yes. It will be mine. Yeah. 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 One day I'm going to walk in. They're like, oh, we're going to open the case for you, Gabe? I'm like, no. We're going to box that thing up. And then I'm going to go. I'm going to go with that. And then, like, I'm going to walk over to Round Rock Donuts with it in my hand. And they're like, oh, you bought that reel? Here's a free dozen donuts. Like, it just, you buy that reel and everything opens up. And then we'll open it up and then we'll jam the icing into the the bearings. Yeah. (laughs) Right. You know, uh, it just, I think. Super drag. I think when you <laughs> super drag. I think when you buy that reel, it's just like a, a it's like a, a just a social level up, you know. Like you're at I, the line around. Yeah, the donut. like I'll just you just I just when you stand out in the quad and you have that reel on on your rod. You don't even fish. You, you don't just fish. accept people's compliments you just stand as they there. walk you just by. Yeah, there and, and like, people oh. are like, oh my god, that guy, dude, that guy, 
That guy hey, that guy can come fish where I'm fishing. Yeah, that guy. Exactly. That I'll guy move down. You don't have I'll, to move down. I'll move down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll move down for you. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what that reel does. That's what that $800 reel does for you. Puts you on a social ladder. You, d- you just stand there look pretty with that. People ask you, oh, hey, uh, what would you catch today? And you just show them that reel, and they're like, Everything? State okay. records. Yeah, everything. State records, yeah. Fish just jump on the line. Just, yeah, just you walk. Don't just, you don't do anything. Yeah, they just go on your net. Just go, yeah. Just walk right up. You're like, we're done. All right. So what did we pick as number 10, Zach, that we all agreed on? Number 10, we put a guided trip. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great gift. And it's There's specific a- to, like, who the person you're buying is for. They also range in a price. I would say most guided trips are around $400, probably 500 including tip, up into, you know, for a one-day trip, $1,000. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But that's typically like between 400 and and 1000 depending on where you're at and what you're fishing. I would say 1000 is going to be really steep, but that's going to be more at the coast depending on who you book. Yes, yeah. Um, uh, 800 for um, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, including, I'm including tip in yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some guides in our area, if you guys want some recommendations to go with, I would recommend uh, uh, Cassio, who, is, who we've had on the podcast, yep. would be a great guest. Yes. Uh, uh, Graham Jones, who ran the Game Wardens, was a previous guest. He is doing lake trips mm-hmm. out on like Lake Bastrop, I'm pretty sure. Uh, he would be a great option. Uh, Kevin Hutchinson, who we've had on, is yeah. a great option. I've fished with Kevin before. He's always fantastic. That's going to be a fun trip, yeah. Uh, if you can book Alvin, good luck. But if you can book Alvin, uh, you can get on a you know, lower Colorado trip with Alvin or a coast trip with Alvin. And then William Townsend, uh, who's a good friend of mine, who's a guy down out of the Corpus area, uh, is another recommendation of people in our area that are great guys you're going to have a great trip with. You guys, Am I missing anybody you guys can think of? No, I think we're good. I'm sure we are. We're probably missing somebody. If we're missing somebody, we apologize, but that uh, that comes to the top of the mind initially. Yeah. Uh, Nate Wilson. Oh, yeah. Oh, they, yeah. I was like, I think, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, Nate would be a good guy. Evan loves fishing with Nate, and he's just a fun guy to hang out with. He's got great <laughs> stories, and dude dude can fish. He has a catch and re- release record for largemouth bass, so if you want to get on some bass, that guy knows how to uh Knows how to uh, knows how to catch them. Um, yeah, there's other guys too, but that that's a good list to start with. If we're missing somebody, if you guys like really need a good recommend, like if you really want more details or anything, shoot Let us a message on yeah. Instagram or an email, and we can get you guys. We can get you hooked up. Yeah, for sure. So, and the eleventh item, which isn't really on the list, but we decided if you wanted to go all out for a loved one in your life. <laughs> uh, and you're like, you know what? If Kendall said to Zach, Zach, you've been a really good husband this year. <laughs> Other years, not yeah, so much. But this year, you've really treated me right. Yeah, and, and I sold a Pokemon a card. And yeah, yeah, so yeah, exactly. I sold a Pokemon card for 700000 So I wanted to uh, <laughs> I wanted to buy a nice trip for you. Um, there's a lot of great places you could go. Uh, one of my favorite places to go uh, that I've been to a couple times, El Pescador down in Belize. Yeah. is a fantastic trip. Family can go. If that's something that you're interested, or for in. more trout, we've uh, we've both been on the uh, land of enchantment, land of enchantment in out New of Mexico. New Mexico. Those yep. guys are great. Noah, Jesse, Shane. It's a fun trip. All of those guys, man, it's so fun. And then uh, Smith River, um, which I have connections with. If you guys need more details there, um, I'm actually doing that trip again next year. Um, 
And uh, yeah, um, but uh, uh, like a destination trip would be, you know, a really nice gift. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I doubt anybody's gonna do that who's listening. But but hey, you know what? You know what? Maybe so. Maybe yeah, Kendall. Maybe, so. maybe Zach's been a good husband this hey, year. Maybe so. Maybe we've all been good husbands. And maybe our wives will. Maybe they've all been talking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they've yeah. all been talking. They're putting their money in a pot. Maybe they listen. <laughs> yeah. So Kendall's friend with the Mayfly Project, who's listening to this podcast, and uh-huh. reports to her. He needs to report yeah. this to her, and so that way she can report it to our wives, and yes. they can come together. Exactly. Yeah, come like yeah. last week, it was you know a couple of things we didn't want to mention. This week. week. Yeah, just share this. Yeah. yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or if you see our wives walking around, then just go ahead and yell at them like, hey, hey boys really need this trip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wink, <laughs> wink, heavy yeah. wink. Really They've been putting out a yeah. lot of good podcast content. Yeah. They've been helping us out so much in our lives. And we Getting just the word really, out. Yeah. yeah. We just, I think you need to get them. <laughs> Send them down. Uh, send them down to catch a Golden Dorado. That'd be Ooh, a good trip. Yeah, that'd be that'd be a great trip. Yep. So, all right, guys. One thing that we'd really appreciate, uh, if you guys have been listening for a while and you haven't done this, specifically if you listen on Apple, because I think it's the only place that really accepts reviews. Uh, if you got a minute, go and you're listening on Apple, which most of you are, because we can see the numbers. Not everyone, but most of y'all, go down to the review section and write us a review. We'd really appreciate it. Um, with all of that being said, we are going to move into our interview with Jeff Evans talking about Tinkara. Don't get spooked. You guys that are like worried that we have an episode dedicated to Tinkara. We've already dabbled a little bit when we had Chris on. We've talked about it here and there because I bought a rod. You bought a rod. I got a rod for the yeah. kid as well. I got so a rod. We've been, yeah, we've, all yeah. Kinda, we've dabbled in it and we realize the benefits that it could bring to your game. Let's all just go get crazy with Tinkara. So stick around. Listen to Jeff. He's a very nice guy, very knowledgeable. And uh, anyway, yeah, hope you guys enjoy it. All right, what's up, everybody? We are at Oktoberfish in Kerrville, Texas. We're sitting down with John Evans, and we're going to talk about Tenkara fishing. He is, multiple people have come up to me and said at this event, you need to talk to John. He is the foremost expert in Tenkara fishing for the Texas Hill Country. Do you agree with that statement? Are you do you consider yourself a Tinkara expert? Absolutely not. That one's easy to answer. <laughs> I, I, I consider myself passionate about Tinkara. Okay. And I really love Tinkara and I've done a lot of Tinkara, but I'm certainly no authority on it. Uh, I can uh, help people get started in it and it's just a lot of fun. My wife and I have both enjoyed Tinkara. But I think that'd probably be overstating the case to say that I'm an authority on it. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a long conversation. You gave me some rods to test out. We've we've been having a lot of conversation because we had Chris Johnson on. When this comes out, it will have been a couple weeks ago, or maybe even the week before. I don't I don't know. But Chris Johnson and we kind of we talked to him about. He's a big Tinkara guy, and we talked to him about you know uh, getting into Tinkara fishing. But we didn't dive into the details. So I'm hoping to do that a little bit more today. Um, but let's start with this. So a lot, Tinkara gets a bad rap a lot of the time. We have on this podcast given Tinkara a bad rap. I'm not going to pretend like we haven't been part of the problem. You've come to the other side now. It's been I, I don't own a Tinkara rod yet. Not yet. Not yet, but John has done a very good job of convincing me, and I've actually held one for the first time and tried casting it. Have you never casted mine? I've never casted yours. Um, and I really like what Chris said about 
and Joe Cermelli uh, talking about conventional fishing and Chris Johnson talking about Tinkara fishing, it's a tool in your toolbox to catch fish. And I really like that attitude of fishing, um, and it's something I'm opening my mind to more. But why do you think that Tinkara gets a bad rap? Well, you know, that's a – I take a while, I guess, to explain that. Part of it is it's still relatively new to the United States. So if you think about it, it was introduced in 2009, so it's only been around for a few years. I think there's been some uh, natural skepticism mm -hmm. about Tenkara, perhaps because of its newness. It's unfamiliar. Anything that's unfamiliar makes us a little bit uncomfortable when we first do it. And uh, superficially, it sort of looks like cane pole fishing. That's usually what I hear. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, you're well, that's a, uh, yeah, that's what everyone says. Oh, you, you fish a cane pole. <laughs> and so I always tell folks, well, have you actually ever picked up a tinkara rod before you say that? <laughs> so superficially, it looks like cane pole fishing. And, and uh, I just think there's been some, uh, because, some skepticism because of its newness, its unfamiliarity. And uh, it takes a while for folks to adjust. And what I try to tell people is there's plenty of room in the water for all of us. And uh, I think I would quickly lose all credibility if I tried to tell you that Tinkara is the best way to fish for all fish in all circumstances. I don't believe that. Nobody who fishes Tinkara believes that. Uh, Tinkara was developed in Japan three to 400 years ago by market fishermen uh, who uh, tried to support their families by catching small trout-sized fish in high mountain streams, high gradient mountain streams in Japan. That's how it was developed. That's the way that it evolved. And so that's what it's meant for. It turns out that the Texas Hill Country fits that pretty well. And so there are a lot of places in the Texas Hill Country that fit Tinkara very well. But I tell people it is for smaller fish in smaller water. And yes, you can catch bigger fish with Tinkara, but if you want to know how it developed, if you want to know where it excels, if you want to know where you'll get the most enjoyment out of it, it's going to be in smaller, skinny water for smaller fish. And it's very effective, it's very efficient, it's very intuitive when you're fishing skinny water. And it just, I don't know of any fishing that is more effective under those circumstances mm -hmm. than Tinkara, but that's what it's meant for. So I think my... Uh, skepticism of Tinkara has not come from the cane pole argument, which oh, we hear okay. all the time. And there's uh, some people out there that are like, oh, Tinkara, you're cane pole, you're yeah. just cane pole fishing, you're cane pole fishing, whatever. That's not where my skepticism has come from because I realize that it's different than a cane pole, although yeah. it's the same idea. Um, but my skepticism has come from people that I've met that uh, have tried to make the argument that Tinkara is the only way to fish, and I think that turned me off yes. very early, um, is that it's the, in the same way that I have been uh, fly fishing, fly fishing, right. to fly fishing or die, but traditional Western-style mm -hmm. fly fishing. Um, I haven't been anti-conventional, just like, this is the way I like to fish, this is how I want to spend my time, so I'm going to do it. But I've never turned anyone off from conventional fishing, just, or put down conventional fishing other than the fact that I like fly fishing. That's what I'm going to talk about. That's what I'm going to do. Um, I have uh, put down Tinkara fishing, but I think it's more from people that I've met that are like, Tinkara is the only way to fish. You have to fish Tinkara, and that's just kind of like immediately wiped it out of my mind. Yeah, there's such a thing as overselling an idea. And, 
you know, if, if you push it to the extent where you become exclusive in the way that you're thinking about it, either you're a Tenkara fisherman or you just don't get it, uh, I think you are going to turn people off. Uh, I do like that analogy of Tenkara being one more tool in the toolbox. Yeah. And so for the kind of fishing it's designed for, for skinny water, smaller fish, it's very efficient, it's very effective, but if you go out to Canyon Lake and you think you're going to catch a lot of fish, you know, in the deep water with Tinkara, you're sadly mistaken. Well, it's and, not going to happen. And but. I think <laughs> I'm evolving as an yeah. angler, too. Like, having done this podcast, I, you know, manage the fishing department at a fly shop, um, and so, like, at those times that I was there, I was, like, fly fishing, but I've also, you know, done a lot, and I think my idea is... Uh, and having doing this podcast and talk to other people, my ideas are evolving, and I am opening myself up to the tool in the toolbox and, like, maybe going out and conventional fishing and maybe not beating myself up at the coast when the wind's 30 miles an hour trying to catch one redfish when I could just throw a spinning rod, maybe have a little bit, and have more fun doing that. Um, let's So the, the Tinkara is just a cane pole argument. I don't necessarily buy it, although I understand why people say it. Well, especially I, after casting one, you, yeah. you see the difference. Uh, I, I, I yeah. knew the difference beforehand. <laughs> right. I, you know, I knew the difference beforehand. My biggest turnoff has always been the people that I've met that's in Cara fish. Right. Um, and uh, but break down the difference between a Tinkara rod versus a cane pole. Sure. Well, first of all, um, when you think about it, a Tinkara rod is telescoping. Most cane poles are broken into sections, so that's one big difference. Mm -hmm. And then the weight is a big difference, a huge difference. I have some premium Japanese rods that I actually have one rod that weighs one half of an ounce. Wow. Entire rod weighs one half. One of an half ounce. of an. Was that the one I was holding? No, no, you were you were holding one that weighs one ounce. I have one that weighs half of what you oh, were my, holding. That thing yeah. was so light. You'll have to go yeah. check really? it out, Zach. Yeah, it's yeah. like holding a fountain pen. And so, <laughs> so you know, that, yeah, yeah. Yeah. the whole, the, the heaviest Tinkara rod that I have weighs three and a half ounces and it's 16 feet long. Right. That's the heaviest that I have. And most of my rods are in the one to two and a half ounce range. And so that's a huge difference. No cane pole weighs that. Mm -hmm. And then of course the casting action is entirely different. Uh, you know, a good Tinkara rod, you get a, a cichlid on a good Tinkara rod or a stalker rainbow or even a small bass. Like I oftentimes think that Guadalupe bass are made for Tinkara fishing. Uh, it'll nearly bend the rod in two. And uh, there's just nothing that's more fun than that. I was uh, fishing in a small creek in the San Antonio area and a lady walked by and she said, uh, she's kind of scoffing at what I was doing because I was catching a little bitty sunfish. And she said, is that all you do is catch uh, bait? <laughs> you know, and, uh, oh, thank you, ma'am. And so I said, uh, ma'am, have you ever caught a six-inch perch on a one-ounce rod? And she admitted that she hadn't, and I just handed the rod to her. So I handed her a one-ounce rod, and she went, oh, oh, oh. She immediately got it. She, she understood. And so there is nothing more sensitive than a premium Tinkara rod. The line is, is directly attached to the end. The best ones are made out of carbon fiber, graphite, and they just have a, a very sensitive feel. You can, you can feel a dragonfly land on your rod. You can feel a minnow, literally a minnow, hit your fly. They're just so sensitive. I don't know any way that you can get a more direct connection to a fish than with a Tinkara rod. Now, again, that's within the scope 
of what a tinkara rod is supposed to handle. But within that scope, there's, there's no kind of fishing that is more sensitive than a premium tinkara rod. That's what it's made for. That's where it's most effective. What are some of the disadvantages of tinkara? Yeah, there are several big ones. First of all, you're obviously limited to how far you can cast. The line is basically as long as the rod, and so that's one limit right there. Now, uh, my wife and I, we fish where we can wade, so if I want to get closer to someplace, I just wade closer. Just <laughs> move your legs. Place. That's yeah. exactly, yeah. move, move don't, my legs instead of the line. Don't yes. be lazy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's part of it, length. And then, you know, there is a weight restriction. Again, smaller fish. So, you know, if I wanted to catch catfish all day long or carp, there are Tinkara-type rods that are for that, but that's not what it was made for. So bigger fish deeper water, longer casting distances, Tinkara is not going to do well under those circumstances. Do you feel like people are trying to push the boundaries with Tinkara rods with like the carp and everything? There is no doubt about that. And, and, and that's not a bad thing. Again, I think there's plenty of room in the water for all of us. Uh, but for example, in Japan, I'm told now, I've never fished in Japan. In, in Japan, I'm told that they, they don't fish sunfish. They have sunfish, but they don't fish them. For tinkara. But here in America, we do. We, we catch Rio Grande cichlids. We catch Guadalupe bass. We catch catfish when they'll hit a fly. Uh, do you think that's a know? cultural difference because Japan is very much linked to their heritage? Absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, Americans, we're going to adapt things. We're, we're going we're gonna to push the limits. We're going to see if we can change it to fit what we do. And so part of that has to be cultural. I'm not enough of a social scientist to explain that. But part of that is cultural, I'm sure. So you said Tenkara dates back three to 400 years in Japan. What were the traditional rods made out of, and how long were they in comparison to, de- to today's yeah, rods? So, yeah, so uh, there they were always a variety of links from what I understand, and I guess nobody knows the exact true history of all this, but the first ones were bamboo, just like you might think, just like a cane pole. They are bamboo. And then the natural progression was into fiberglass and then into graphite and carbon, just like in America with fly rods. Yep. You know, that, that was the natural progression. And uh, because they were in high mountain gradient streams, uh, they were relatively short, uh, but, uh, you know, uh, roughly in the 8 to 12-foot range, uh, something like that. Okay. And then uh, same traditionally fly lines, were they – do you know any – and I know, too – Actually, let me let me back up because I don't want to get too far off. Traditional Tinkara has the reverse tide hackle yes. flies. And my understanding is, and I want you to correct me if I'm wrong because I really don't know, is that, you know, traditional Tinkara anglers from Japan fish with only one fly. Yeah, uh, that, that's a, a little bit of a mistaken idea. From uh, And, again, I'm probably not the best person to speak to that point. Yes, it has happened that in America we think of a reverse-hackled Sakasa Kabari fly as the traditional Tenkara fly. I'm told by those who actually fish in Japan that that's not the only fly they use, but some, some Tenkara fishermen in Japan only use that one style of fly. I'm glad you brought that up, though, because in my experience, that kind of fly is actually less effective in the Texas Hill Country. I actually do not fish uh, Sakasa Kabari flies because they're not as good for me, in the waters that I fish, in the way that I fish, as some of the more traditional flies that we normally use. So, for mm-hmm. example, I would rather fish an elk hair caddis or a screaming banshee, a pattern tied by Charlie Craven, or uh, Bob White's deer hair sedge, or a pheasant tail nymph, or a Sawyer's killer bug. 
those flies are all more effective than a Sakasa Kabari fly, in my experience, in our part of the world. Okay. So, Zach, do you, do you have any questions, having listened to this a little bit? You have a Tinkara rod. I do. And you've dabbled. I have. You've been Tinkara curious. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a good way curious. to say it. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, so, yeah, my initial thing was I was doing a lot of backpack trips as far as, like, uh, well, whether it was just hiking, but also it was, like, going to visit my dad in Tennessee, and we would go hiking or stuff there. But it wasn't necessarily a fishing trip. And so I wanted a rod that I could easily throw in my backpack yeah. and get somewhere and, and, and hit the Smokies and stuff like that. So I actually ended up going with Tinkara USA's the Hane. Yes. The, the most, at the time, it was like the most collapsible rod out there. And it's a little stiffer, isn't it? If it I is. Right yeah, now. it's like, a, like a, around like a five weight. Yes. So it's a little mm-hmm. stiffer and it's uh, a little bit shorter. It's like a true 10 10, right. 10 foot, 10 inch um, rod. Um, and it's got the foam handle instead of the cork. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, so that's my only experience casting a Tinkara rod. And it is a little stiffer. Um, but like I said, my main purpose for getting one was for the, the, the portability. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And at the time, I was also marketing in my car. And so I wanted a rod that I could keep in my little Kia while I was going from doctor's office to yeah. doctor's <laughs> office in it. And, you know, it worked pretty well um, for that, for those, those specific uh, reasons. Yeah, you know, uh, so for example, here in the Texas Hill Country, sometimes I'll go backpacking in Lost Maples. Mm-hmm. Nobody thinks of Lost Maples as a place to go fly fishing. It's yeah. one of my favorite places. And, uh, you know, you can go backpacking there. You can stick a Tinkara rod in the side pocket of your backpack. Uh, you've got it. You get your tent set up. You can go to one of those little hill country streams, and you can have more fun than you can stand. Yeah. Uh, you know, using a, a light Tinkara rod and those small sunfish in that beautiful hill country stream, you can't beat that. No. So let's talk about, uh, okay, so one thing that I think about, the car rods are so long compared to a couple, potentially a couple feet longer than a traditional fly rod. Do you find, like, that in really brushy areas that that is a hard thing to deal with, with casting and everything? It, it could be. You know, I think it's like most things. Once you get more experience, you learn how to deal with it or handle it a little bit. But they do make shorter Tinkara rods. So I have some Tinkara rods that are only 7 or 8 feet long. Uh-huh. Oh, really? I don't yes. Think I, knew that. Uh, yeah, I think I, that one-ounce rod was probably in that. Yeah, it's, it's, that one was about 9 feet long, but okay. it was certainly short enough to use. And then you learn to use a slingshot or bow and arrow cast a lot and so they 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 do very well with a slingshot or bow and arrow cast so you know do you do that often because it's something i see on instagram guys like pulling their rods back even traditional fly rods uh, doing the slingshot cast in this little pocket underneath a bunch well but do i'm you like not do that, that often I, well, I know so i don't i don't feel like it works that well here but like in the smokies like Half my shots are bow cast, you know. It's like getting under the little things. I haven't found tr- even trout fishing in like New Mexico or other areas like the need to do that really? type of cast. Yeah. Do the, you end up do? Do you use that? Is that a big uh, tool on your toolbox? Yes, I'm, I'm glad you asked that because I think that's an important point. If I fish a really uh, brush choked kind of stream like Cibolo Creek in Bernie, is uh-huh. it would be the classic example. Lost Maples would be another classic example. Uh, I would say that I use a slingshot cast sometimes 75 to 90% of the time. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, I use it all the time. And, you know, you take an a eight-foot-long rod and a bow, you know, bow and arrow cast, you can fish that anywhere. You, yeah. can, you can fish where other folks can't fish. You could use a little roll cast. That works okay. Mm-hmm. But, you know, bow and arrow cast, slingshot cast is, is uh, my predominant cast in those small streams. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
as far as lines go, level line versus uh, like a taper leader versus like a furled line, yeah, are, are there situations you go to one over the other, or is there one that you work with the most? Boy, if you want to start a good argument among yeah. Tinkara <laughs> anglers, you, you just did it. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what I do, and, and then I'll tell you that guys who know a lot more than I do do it differently. Uh-huh. So I always recommend to beginners, this is just my take on it, so you know, you ask my opinion, I'll give it to you. It's a furled line. Furled lines have no memory. They're easier to see. They're easier to cast. And so for beginners especially, I think furled lines are easier to deal with. For mine, that's why I went with the, the yellow furled line yes. from Jakarta USA, and it, and it casts well. Yes. Now, now Chris uses level lines, and he has exceptional, you know, he, he's very good at it. You right. Know? And so, so he does a good job of level lines. And, and most of the, the experts, I think, recommend level lines. Right. But if you're asking what I use, I use I always use a furled line. Yeah. And they're just easier for me to use. So – I understand why someone might use a furled line. Why would someone use a level line as opposed to a furled line? A couple of things. Uh, first of all, uh, some people believe that the fish see them less, so, so they're less visible to the fish. Also, uh, Chris would make the point that the connection with the fish is a little more direct. You don't have those fibers all twisted around one another, so uh, he, he thinks there's a more direct connection there, which, which may be right. I've used level lines, and I've caught as many fish on level lines, but I didn't enjoy fishing as much with level lines and so that's why i went back to furled lines because yeah, those furls just turn over the fly that's it's, it. it's nice to cast yeah i mean that granted i have never get fished a softer a, landing too probably in my mind yeah i've never fished a level line on a tinkara rod but um i i, I like the furl leader it, now now level lines have improved a lot when i first started seven or eight years ago the level lines had a lot of spring in them. They had a lot of memory, and so they weren't a lot of fun to cast, you know, if a line kept springing back towards you. And so I started with furled lines because of that, but I'm told now that the level lines are much better than they used to be. So how did you get into Tinkara seven or eight years ago when the Tinkara, no one knew about Tinkara fishing five years ago? That's right. I mean, it used to be nobody, I'd be fishing, and they'd go, why are you casting your cane pole that way? That was usually what folks <laughs> asked me, you know. Uh, Well, uh, I happened to see a YouTube video uh, that showed Tinkara fishing, and it looked, you know, it kind of looked neat. You know, it looked neat the way they were casting, and it looked kind of simple and everything. So I bought the cheapest rod I could find on Amazon or eBay, and I went out uh, and fished, and it was a complete disaster. I I didn't have anybody to show me. There was nobody to ask about. All I'd seen was one YouTube video. And it was terrible. Uh, the fly was hitting me in the face. The line was balling up at my feet. The only way I could have possibly caught a fish is if it had jumped up on the bank with me. You know, <laughs> I went home, and I threw all my gear in the trash can. I told Robin, my wife, that's the stupidest thing I've ever done. <laughs> and she knows not to talk to me when I'm being like that. And so she waited today and before the trash men came. She said, John, you know, maybe there's a learning curve. I said, what? What are you talking about? She said, well, you know, maybe you actually have to practice, you know, <laughs> watch a few more videos, you know, that kind of thing. And so I recognized the good sense of what she is saying, and I, and I rescued my rod out of the trash can before the trash men got there. And I just I, I said to myself, I'm going to catch three fish this way before I trash it, before I give it up. And I went to a stream that had a lot of sunfish, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to confess, I put a worm on the hook so I knew something would hit it. And I got the wind at my back so that the line pretty much had to go out in the water. And I cast, and a green sunfish about ripped the rod out of my hand. And I thought, oh, i got to do that again. 
And I caught another one and another one. And by the third fish, I was the one hooked, not the fish. You know, and, and so then I, I learned to tie my own flies eventually. But uh, there was nobody to show me. I made all the mistakes. I tell folks I've already made plenty of mistakes for all of us. Y'all don't need to repeat my mistakes. And, and I slowly learned over the years. And just through sheer practice, I guess you would say, trial and error, I started to pick up a few things, and I'll just tell you that Tinkara is very effective and very fun in our Texas Hill Country rivers and streams. It's kind of like one of the last angling frontiers to, to go to the no-name creek, pick your way along. You know, that's the way we fish. We wade fish everywhere. And just to pick your way along, casting a dry fly, you know, around the cypress roots and that sort of thing, it, it's hard to beat. It really is. So let's talk about the gear a little bit, because when I was, you were showing me some rods. We were looking at Chinese-made rods Mm -hmm. and then also some Japanese-made rods. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the length kind of is the biggest determining factor on the size of fish that you can handle. So kind of walk us through, like, the gear that you need and kind of the rod breakdowns. Yeah. Well, you said a good word there, breakdown. <laughs> I, I tell folks, the first thing you should do when you buy a 10-car rod is to hold it in your hands, look at it, and say, I'm going to break this rod. That way you won't be surprised when it happens. I always tell folks when you first get a rod, you ought to get a rod that you don't spend too much money on because you don't know how you're going to like it. And then secondly, you want to make sure it's a rod that you can get replacement parts for. Now, like Tinkara USA has a guarantee. Dragon Tail will replace uh, rod parts very inexpensively. Those, those are Chinese-made rods, and there's nothing wrong with them. I want to emphasize they're good rods. You can get replacement parts for them. They're a really good place to start. Uh, so there's nothing wrong with doing that. And the standard length, the standard traditional length is 360 centimeters. So if you say, well, I fish skinnier water, then you want to go under 360 centimeters. No, I fish big open water, then you want to go over 360. But 360 centimeters, about 12 feet, is the, yeah, is, is, the, is the standard length. Uh, now, the Japanese developed Tenkara. The companies that have the longest history of making Tenkara rods are in Japan. And if you hold a Chinese-made rod and a Japanese-made rod, you will be able to tell the difference. I'll just say that right so now. So what are some Japanese uh, rod manufacturers? Like, what are some names? Yeah, I'll give you a couple of quick ones. Nissan and SunTech are two okay. that, that are very predominant. Uh, they're hard to get. You know, you have to buy them off of eBay. Because it's, yeah. it's hard to buy anything yeah. outside of I think there's three that I can think of. The two yeah. you mentioned in uh, the newer one, Tinkara Rodco. Yeah, so, so uh, you know, b- bottom line is that they, they're harder to get. And typically, Japanese rods do not come with a guarantee. Yeah. If you break it, you got an expensive wand in your hand now, you know. So that's why I tell folks that's probably not the way you want to start. When I, I think the first year I Tinkara fished, I broke three rods. Wow. I have not broken a rod in three years now. It's like most things, you know, once you get used to doing yeah. it, you just learn how to manage things a little bit better. How do you not break your rod? Well, don't do dumb things with it like <laughs> I used to do. You know, you get hung up in a tree, don't start whipping your rod back and forth like we all do. That's a sure way. And then... Realize that these rods are, are, they have a lot of engineering in them, and they're meant to bend along the entire length of the rod. And if you'll let them bend along the entire length, they will take a lot of force. And if you start grabbing the rod in the middle to get more leverage on a fish, you're probably going to break your rod. If you use too heavy a tippet, you know, you want the tippet to break, not your rod. And 
these rods are sized according to tippet. So the manufacturer will say, use 6X tippet, use 5X tippet. We'll take them at their word. They, they know, how, you know what it takes to break their rods. So don't use heavier than recommended tippet. Mm. Yeah. What, are you, what size tippet are you using most often? Uh, 6X. And in fact, I use 6X on almost everything. Except, really? Yeah. And okay. the, the lightest rod I have, I use 7X. And I'll just tell you, 6X will keep you out of a lot of trouble. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because I think for mine it's recommended the 4X. But yeah. mine's that stiffer rod. Yeah, that, yeah. A little bit. but see, 6X, you know, you say, well, I'll lose a few more fish. Yeah, but you'll keep your rod longer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like, what's the harm of just going yeah. down and make it harder right. for them to see it? Yeah. It's not like you're yeah. missing out on that much more. Right. So why do you cast with the pointer finger up on a 10-car rod as opposed to the traditional? Bum, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, I think part of it is just the, the stroke is shorter on a 10-car rod. So, you know, your thumb, if you put your thumb on top, you can bring your hand back further. It's more natural to have a longer stroke if your thumb is on top. Index finger, your hand doesn't bend back as far. It's just a physics kind of thing. And so uh, it it is the shorter stroke, I think, and, and the shorter stroke. And the index finger gives you a little more pinpoint accuracy. Your index finger is more sensitive uh, than your thumb is. And so it gives you a little more accuracy, and the stroke is so short that it works with a 10-car rod. Okay. No, that makes sense. Zach, did you have any other questions? I did, and every time I thought about it, we would get caught up on a new thing. So I'm trying to think about it. <laughs> so if you have something to say, ask while I'm thinking, because I know there's something I want to ask. What's the minimum gear requirement? To yeah. go to car fishing. Yeah, that's that's one of the, the great questions because it's so simple. I use a sling pack that's made by uh, Zimmerbilt. Zimmerbilt makes some kind of, uh, they, they make some specialized Tinkara packs. So I'll use that sling pack. It'll hold four rods. Uh, I put water and a sandwich in the back. I have extra tippet. And, and believe it or not, I use my wife's contact lens case for my fly box. I can put oh, all really? the flies I want in a contact lens case for all day. That's so funny. a sling pack, that's it. I wet wade during the warm weather just in synthetic gear. Uh, I have nippers and hemostat on my pack, you know, so tippet, you know, nippers, hemostat, water in my backpack, snacks to eat, sling pack, four rods, I'm ready to go. How yeah. often do you change rods while you're out fishing? Uh, not, you know, usually I don't change at all because I know where I'm going and I know what's going to work there. And so usually I don't change at all, but sometimes if a hatch is coming off and I say, oh, I want to switch, you know, to a dry fly real quickly, I'll grab a different rod that I put a dry fly on rather than changing oh, fly. Oh, so your fly's so. rigged up and ready. Yeah, like yes. It's almost easier to, right. to, to untelescope right. the rod than it is to swap in, out the in, fly. In one minute I can be fishing a different rod almost. Wow, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's interesting, having all those rods in your pack. And I guess that pack is designed to hold a couple of Tinkara rods. That's right. The, the the particular pack I have actually has four bungee cords, and the, the pockets, I mean, it, that's what it's made for. It's specifically made for, it's called a Tinkara guide sling pack. Oh, okay, so it has yeah. like several spots yeah, for Yeah, that's exactly Tinkara right, rods. yeah. Mm -hmm. So hmm. if somebody wanted to get into Tinkara, where would you recommend they start? Well, you know, I think I would probably, like I said, I would go to a company like Tinkara USA or, or Dragon Tail where you're going to get a guarantee. You know, I know uh, Chris Johnson, they sell Tinkara USA. Yeah. And so I would definitely do that, I think. I would get a good sling pack, you know, get a, a Zimmerbilt sling pack, I think, uh, would work out really well. And the rest of the stuff you can get, uh, you know, just at any of the – main yeah. fly fishing Maybe shops. need some tippet, heat yeah. stats. Yeah, yeah all, all of that stuff, you know, you can get at any fly shop. Yeah. Is there a rod you would recommend? Because Tinkar USA has five or six different <laughs> rods, for something, like an all-around Texas Hill Country rod that could get 
I'll give you two. I'll give you two. So if I was going to Tinkari USA, I'd probably get their Iwana, which is their their standard uh, first rod, I think. Which is the one that I'm – That's right. If I decide to pull the trigger, that's what I'm going to get. And I'll tell you my reasoning why I'm going to get that. Okay. And what's the other one? Because whenever I – whenever we were casting rods, there are two options. You can get a rod that extends to multiple lengths. Right. Or you can get one that extends to a single length. Yeah, a zoom rod. A zoom zoom rod. rod. Yeah. And so I don't like the idea of having an adjustable LinkedIn car rod because they're much stiffer at the butt section. And I could tell when we right. were casting rods, I wanted a single length right. rod. And then the Iwana is the correct length. Right. How long is the Iwana? The 360 the, or 365. 365. Okay, so, yeah, so 12 feet. Yeah. So uh, it, and I want to be able to catch bass and stuff like that on it. So, so, right. so, so the Iwana from Tinkari USA are the Mizuchi 340 from Dragon Tail. And, and it is a zoom rod. Uh, it fishes at two different lengths, and so it's a little shorter. It's a little more of a smaller creek rod. So those two rods, either one, like you said, a lot of times people will say, well, I'll just get a zoom rod. That way I can fish it at several lengths. But there's a trade-off because of the way they have to make the zoom sections. They tend to be a little stiffer you know, toward the butt. Yeah, and I can tell. I can tell. In my mind, after having casted a couple of rods, the advantage of Tenkara is a direct connection to the fly at all times, and the sensitivity that you feel that feedback in your hand when you're casting. And so if I'm going to do this right. and add a tool to my toolbox, I want to take the best advantages that Tenkara has. Right. And, 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 and that's why I picked the Iwana. if you want to get more reach, you can use a traditional fly rod. You know, if you, need, if you need to get the extra reach or if you need to change the length, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. like if, you, if you're if fishing I, someplace where you wanted... You know, instead of fishing 12 feet, you wish you would have had the 14 feet. You can always just throw a line on there. And I could very easily see myself taking a traditional Western-style rod and then throwing a Tinkara rod in my backpack right. in case, you know. You hit some small water or... Or I could just keep a Tinkara rod in my tool, uh, in my glove box yeah. and have it on the ready whenever and if I cross somewhere. Right. I mean, I, when I drive home to uh, Sweetwater... I cross cross all kinds of creeks and right. streams with little parks and stuff like that. And I could just very easily, oh, I'm gonna stop for ten minutes. It doesn't have to be long. No, you're and you're ready to fish. In whereas a minute. opposed to a traditional rod, I got to get up, set right. everything up. That's a ten minute ordeal right. in and of itself. You <laughs> Keep know. you from doing it. Yeah. Yeah. It would, yeah, honestly. Yeah, that's honestly why I kept does. mine in the in the car. It worked. It worked. Yeah. So, so I would go with you know one of those companies. I think both of them give real good service, and and I think a, a beginner would feel comfortable with those, those offerings. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Do you uh, traditional Western-style fish at Uh, all? I I used to, but frankly, I've gravitated to totally Tinkara. So my wife and I only Tinkara fish uh, now. But like I said, we support other forms of fishing. It's just what (laughs) we've gravitated toward. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. do you have a desire to go to Japan and do the traditional? You know, I really don't. Uh, and, and part of that is I'm just not a good traveler. Uh, you know, so I'm not, I'm not a good uh, long-distance traveler. And mm. so uh, my wife and I, we like sticking in the Texas Hill Country. To me, you know, going to James River Crossing in Mason, going to Lost Maples, going to South Llano River in Junction. Oh, it makes me want to go fishing right now. I yeah. mean, <laughs> those are beautiful spots. I mean, to me, that's about as good as it gets. Yeah. Yeah. What what kind of action are you giving the flies in the water? Because uh, oh, you don't have question. a stripping hand right. like you do on a Western-style rod. So if you're fishing a streamer on a traditional fly rod, you can strip the fly and make it right. move through the yeah. water. Um, 
you know, uh, so how are you giving a fly action when uh, that, it's a car that's rod? A, that's a really good question. You know, car rods don't do well with streamers, in, in my judgment, uh, for that reason. You know, you can't strip them in, that sort of thing. So on a nymph, like let's say a, a Utah killer bug, a pheasant tail nymph, you know, a hair's ear nymph, any of those, boy, it's real simple. I cast it out, I wait two seconds for it to sink, and I slowly lift it. You know, and 90% of the time on the lift is when the fish take it. So cast, wait, lift is it. On a dry fly or a wet fly, boy, I think one of the main mistakes we make is we just work our flies too much. Uh, I'll tell you, eight out of ten times I cast, let it sit, and they slam it while it's sitting there. You scare them away if you move it at all. When I do move it, I barely twitch the fly. So, like, I let it sit for five or ten seconds sometimes, and then when I move it, I just barely twitch the fly, and I find that to be the most effective now. And when you're fishing nymphs and dry flies, is the line off the water? Yeah, you know, and, and, and one of the great advantages of Tinkara is that you can keep all the line off the water. You get drag-free drifts with Tinkara, or almost completely drag-free drifts. And so um, on, on both of them, you know, of course, obviously a nymph's got a uh, line down in the water. Uh, and, I, and I don't fish a dry dropper arrangement at all. I only fish single flies. And so I can keep Do people up. do that? Do uh, some people do that? In some people do, but boy, when I watch them, it looks like more trouble than it's worth on yeah, Tinkara. <laughs> I've tried it a couple times. I've tried uh, not dry dropper, but I've tried uh, like a double nymph yeah, rig. Yeah. It's tough. It's yeah. It feels cast. like a slingshot. You know, Tinkara tips are so soft that it just doesn't do well. Yeah. You know, they, they don't handle tungsten beads well, dumbbell eyes well. You know, you can get, get away with brass beads and bead chain eyes. Uh, pretty well, but they don't handle heavy weight at all, or, or or flies with a lot of fluff and stuff on them. You know, they just don't cast them very well. Mm. Yeah. That That's make, a good question, that would make though. Sense. Yeah. You know, a, a small delta wing fly like an elk hair caddis, a screaming banshee, a pheasant tail nymph, Tinkara is made to cast those. You get something with a lot of fluff and stuff or weight to it, you're that's not what it's you're made for. It. And yeah. I could, in, in my mind, I can see, I can see those situations being really beneficial for Tinkara. I'm just trying to, I obviously I haven't done it, but I'm just trying to like picture, if I think about it as a tool to add, uh, like when I would pull the rod out and I could see like streamers, like you said, I'm probably not going to throw a streamer for yeah, bass yeah. on Tinkara rod now that I think about it, but an elk hair caddis lines yes. off the water. Don't have to worry about mending. Right. Uh, you get itch patterns, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Nymphs, uh, I could see working well. Mop flies on the quad. Mop flies, yes. squirmy worms. Yes, and and you know, Tinkara does really well in extra shallow waters. You know, some of the best fishing I've had has been in ankle deep water. Yeah, and uh, control the depth yeah, so well. Exactly right. You know, so uh, you know, people say, well, we don't have any water right now. Well, you got enough water to go Tinkara fishing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it makes sense. Um, how much? Uh, so. Are you, do you put a, um, oh, my gosh, a tippet ring at the end of your leader? The furled lines that I buy already have a tippet ring yep. on the end. And so yeah. then uh, how many feet of a, uh, a leader you put uh, on? Yeah, so uh, the tippet that I put on is, is short, uh, and so usually not over about two feet of tippet. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, so a couple of feet of tippet, yeah. And about the same length of your rod in a... In the furled leader. Yeah, so, so you know, it's not an exact science. Right. You, you want everything all together, the tippet, the line, and everything to be about as long as the rod. It's okay if it's a foot or two longer or a foot or two shorter, right. okay. but about the length of the rod. Yeah, early on I was making the mistake of, of doing like a traditional fly rod and, and making a 
five yeah, to seven dude, foot. It doesn't cast that very well. It yeah, was yeah. so tough. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was like, people say this is fun. What's yeah, going I'm on? Not having any fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then then I realized about three feet is what I was going to, but yeah, I might shorten up even more. So I, you showed me the furled leader, uh, the furled leaders or the furled lines uh-huh. with the tippet ring. Yeah. So that makes sense. But I'm wondering on a level line, how are you connecting your tippet to the line? Yeah, you know, Chris could tell you what Nadi uses because uh, there you have to cut the level line to the length that you want it and then use whatever knot, you know, that you want oh, to use to connect. Oh, you're tying a knot directly. Yes. Yeah, I'm tying mm. a knot directly on the tippet ring. So, uh, you know, that's... And, and oh, no, on the level line, you're tying a knot to a that, tippet Oh, ring. yes, yes. Okay. So on the level okay. line, yes. So you're knotting the two lines together. Together, there's not a tippet ring on okay. the level line. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Kind of like the idea. I mean, I guess you could tie a tippet ring on the end, but that's not the way it comes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I kind of like the idea of the furled leader. Furled is nice, and honestly, it's it has nice. a tippet ring. And it's, it's nice to be easy. able to cut off right. the tippet Like, right. I like the simplicity idea of this. It's less complicated. Mm-hmm. And I can also see a big advantage. Gabe, who's over there tying flies, uh, he bought a ten-car rod. He says it's for his kid. He's uh-huh. going to listen to this later. We know he bought it for himself, and he's using that as an excuse. Well, how are you going to teach your kid to use it until you use it? Uh, yeah. yeah. So, but I could see this being a great way for kids to getting into. Yeah. Fly or, fishing. Or, or anybody, I tell folks, and I've done some presentations uh, through the San Antonio Public Library System, mm-hmm. through Northside Independent School District Community Education. Uh, and, and it appeals to people who've always uh, been sort of intrigued by fly fishing, but who think it may be too complicated. So, so it's a good introduction to fly fishing, but on a little, it's got a shorter learning curve. I guess that's the way to I say I could also, some of the guys that we, that go on the real recovery retreats that have mobility issues, I could see Tinkara being. I think we need to get one or two for real, real yeah. recovery for that reason, because yeah. yes. it would be a huge thing for a lot of those people who have photomunction, uh, photomunction. Motor function, uh, uh, not as good of motor function yeah. skills. Yeah. Uh, uh, ladies, depending on what surgery they've had, uh, those kind of things. But anybody who has elbow, shoulder, I mean, uh, Tinkara, is, it's still going to work those muscles and those joints, uh, but it's a shorter casting stroke. It's a lighter rod. You don't have as much torque in it. You don't have the line management. And so under those circumstances, there can be an advantage. Yeah. yeah. No, it makes sense. Makes sense. Do you have any other questions, Zach? I don't think so. I think we pretty well. Is there, what are we missing? Have you know, I just tell folks to go out and do it and give yourself, give yourself a little time. Remember what my wife said, you know, John, maybe there's a learning curve. So give your, and, and say to yourself, I'm going to do this until I catch at least three fish, and then if I don't like it, I don't like it. But give yourself a little bit of time. Realize that even though it's simple, it doesn't mean it's always easy. And give yourself a little bit of time. Just kind of dip your toes in the water. Go someplace that has a lot of little sunfish in it. Mm-hmm. And I'll guarantee you you'll have a lot of fun. And as far as rainbow trout fishing, there is nothing more fun <laughs> than a rainbow trout, oh, you I'm know, sure. on a tin-car rod. My dad caught a stalker. I, so oh, yeah. I always bring it, like I said, as my backup rod. My dad caught a stalker rainbow in, in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, on the little tinkara rod, yeah, but he he had never caught a, a trout before in his life, yeah. so he's raising it. He's just pulling up this monster trout, right, and then yeah. it popped off right at the surface. But do you use fluorocarbon tippet? Uh, I yes, I do. Though I've used probably every kind of tippet that's made. I think what I'm using right now is all fluorocarbon. Okay, yes, yeah, I could see fluorocarbon yeah. after talking, reconfirming with Chris with about. Chris. Yeah. Even fishing fluorocarbon on dry flies. Yeah, I know. After which is something I've been doing for a while. But just the last tippet section. But I could see like if you're using nymphs or dry flies, I'm pretty much fluorocarbon now. 
and then this, it would make sense just to apply that yeah. to Tenkara fishing. Yeah. Think about all the places we have right around us here in the in the hill country area. Uh, you know, Medina River, Blanco River, South Llano River, Sabinal River, uh, Can Creek up at Lost Maples. Uh, you know, the it, it's just. Uh, you know, it, it's wide open to do it, and if a person enjoys fishing at all, they'd probably, you know, enjoy fishing those little creeks and rivers and streams. What's yeah. the biggest fish you've caught on a Tinkar rod? Yeah, probably a channel catfish that hit my Utah killer bug is probably three pounds or something like that, wow. and, and a three-pound catfish on a Tinkar rod is about as much fun as you can stand. <laughs> <laughs> Were you worried? Uh, yes. About breaking I was, rod? I, I was in a wide open area, and I was actually able to wade sort of with the fish, you know, keeping pressure on the fish while I was with the fish. Um, I have that one half-ounce rod I was telling you about, and I caught a, a cichlid that probably weighed close to half a pound, and a half-pound cichlid on a half-ounce rod is, uh, that, that's a nice fight. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. a lot of fishing is matching the gear to the fish you know matching the gear to the fish <laughs> so the i've seen the tinkara nets yes and they're a different style is that just like based out of tradition i believe it is i think that's the way they were developed in japan they're and, curved. and they're yeah, curved yeah yeah, yeah. yeah and, and i do think that that's that's uh, just a traditional thing gosh yeah. not like a benefit do you have one do you use one you know i don't use a net at all I, the less stuff i have to handle the better i like it and yeah. so i actually don't use a net at all you know, and, and my wife, she's like the catfish queen. You know, she can grab catfish easily out of the water, you know. and That's my <laughs> wife, too. Every time we go fishing, she catches a catfish. And yeah. that's Gabe, too. Yeah. yeah. He you're, he does a lot of Euro-nymphing. So, so they're they're patient, you know. The yeah. the wives they're they're letting it bounce along the bottom, so they catch yeah. catfish. Yeah, you know? yeah that's, I think that's exactly what it is. She yeah. casts it out. She's going slow, and I'm like, no, let's give it like three casts yeah. and move on. That's so. the difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I had one last question. Uh, do you consider yourself a fly fisherman? Yeah, you know, I, I consider Tinkara to be fly fishing. You know, it, it, when somebody uh, asks me, a lot of times they'll ask me, what are you doing? They say, are you fly fishing? What are you doing? And I say, I'm Japanese fly fishing. But now I can start saying Tinkara, and folks kind of know what that is. Five years ago, if I said Tinkara, they just stared at me like a cow staring at a new gate. You know, they just <laughs> they didn't, didn't make any sense. But if I say Tinkara now, more people know what it is. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and uh, Chris's explanation of his Tenkara fly fishing, his, his reasoning was that the weight of the line is casting the fly. And that's th- right. And that makes sense because yeah. that's what I've always considered fly yeah. fishing. I believe that's right. The, the, you know, the, the fly is basically weightless and you're casting the line. Yeah. 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 In, in fact, when I've been out here demonstrating for folks, there's no, I don't even have a dummy fly on me and I'm just casting just the line. Just casting the yeah. line, yeah. 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 What's your most memorable fish on the fly oh, or boy. on Tinkara? Yeah, I think it would have to be cichlids on a half-ounce rod. You know, there's just nothing more fun than it being in ankle-deep water catching a half-pound cichlid on a half-ounce rod. Did you bring that half-ounce rod with you? Yeah, I do. You, okay, because I had the one-ounce rod. And I, now, that I've, now that I've seen the one-ounce rod, I'm like, this thing is a pin. Like, yeah. like you said, yeah. <laughs> it is nothing, and uh, I'd like to see that half-ounce rod. Yeah. Yes, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I have a special deal. I'm, I'm not charging all that much for you to hold it now. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a beautiful rod, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you, John. Oh, yeah, a lot of fun. Thank you all. Yeah. Look in the description below to find links to our website, online store, YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Discord server, and blog. Please send your podcast questions and inquiries to info at honeyholeangling.com. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll see you again next week.